0: Welcome back, Red Spotters. I am your host here, Alexis Soto. And today, I am so thankful that I am not joined by the usual old bats. Um, And today, instead, as you may be hearing, I am joined by...
1: The true bat. (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) I... Yes, the true bat, the one and only herself, Miss Nettie, um, has joined us again after a long hiatus and a long time of living life as as you know that can take a toll on somebody um but i'm happy to report she's in one piece and maybe stronger than ever who knows some might say she's unbreakable
1: not really but
0: (laughs) yeah, no exactly um first and foremost Nettie, how are you
1: i am a little bit tired but i'm okay
0: You know, that is perfectly fine because whenever we do these shows in the first place, I think it is all too common where one of us is just maybe a little bit too tired to record. Believe me, um, a lot of these shows, we're we're doing it in the dead of night, just like this one. Um, I'm going to, right now, uh, just tell everybody listening to this show... um, it would be very beneficial if you had heard the last few episodes because we're, we're more or less going to be essentially re- reiterating and re- going over those issues because they're, they, they, they are huge issues in the film industry. Um, but if you haven't, I will, of course, just go through everything one more time. And now that we have Nettie here with us, we actually um, get to have another perspective or side um, to a lot of the issues in regards to The James Gunn firing Or the 20th Century Fox acquisition um, And then of course The streaming service and so on and so forth And then later on In the latter half of the show I'm going to get into um, Nettie's new project Her new passion project and uh, uh, Called Make the love last Which we need a little bit of that right now In this world um, So That'll be toward the end. I'm going to ask her um, what's behind that name, what's behind this channel, and just um, what other exciting things she has planned, because we all know Nettie, and we all know she always has something really good going on. But I actually wanted to ask you, uh, in regards to the Academy Awards, in particular with the announcement of the brand new category, the Outstanding Achievement in Popular Film. Now, we had discussed off-air that, um, as I had explained it to you anyway, that this category was, in essence, something that was created to kind of go towards big blockbuster filmmaking. A lot of the movies that actually don't get much attention in the Academy Awards. When you go to the Academy Awards, you have a lot of smaller, more independent films that usually get nominated and win a lot of these things. So they they created this new category um and i can just tell you right now that a lot of people are so upset in particular because so many film journalists and industrialists and um people in in you know basically ground zero have been pushing for films like Black Panther and for Wonder Woman both of which i think kind of show um more diversity um, and, in, and in true outstanding fashion into, they kind of have been propelling those movies for the Academy to consider for Best Picture. Now, um, as it's no secret, myself and Peter have been raging for, I think, months at this point that we think that those films are nowhere near the caliber of what an Academy Award nominee should be. But in either way, This feels a lot like a few years ago when they first created the Best Animated Feature category. Um, They kind of gave them their own side um, competition because they would never get nominated for Best Picture. And it came to a point where, if you recall, in the early to mid-2000s, Pixar was essentially in its heyday.
1: And Mm -hmm. a lot of,
0: if not every single film that they they were releasing was considered among the best films released that year and they would not get best picture credit or whatever you will so
1: i think that it's i can understand why they would think it's insulting but i i also i i know what you mean by popular i know you and you peter were talking about like well what is considered popular blah 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 and i think that how you guys are saying it's obviously the blockbusters it's all the things that most normal people will go in to watch that's just entertaining and they don't have to think about it they just go in and watch it um, and I think that makes the academy like kind of it's kind of like a joke it seems I don't know like this is like something special for the for the smaller films for the more unique films and um, you know for the
0: best films really
1: yeah <laughs> for the quality films <laughs> and um, I don't know it, it's just it's kind of it's kind of annoying, <laughs> a little bit. I can understand why people I are upset. Mean, I've been saying for
0: a while that, you know, I I love all kinds of films. I really do. And I've been saying for years that I wish that the Academy in particular would take more notice of some truly exceptional films that you would consider to be blockbusters or four-quadrant films. Um, that are very widely seen and popular. Um, And I also do feel that there is a wide disconnect between a lot of the films that are nominated every year because the majority of people in the world just haven't seen those movies at all when they get nominated. And the movies that they do see are nowhere to be found. Um, So I, I have been pushing for more... Attention to those kind of movies, but this is not at all the right way. In fact, this may be the absolute worst way to show that <laughs> because like what you said, it's a joke. It's just a participation award, as Peter put it. Um, yeah. you, you, you get recognized just for showing up and, um, I know a lot of people have been saying, well, it's, it's very insulting to a lot of the other nominees. Well, I agree, but I think it's perhaps even more insulting to the nominees who do end up getting into this best popular film category because that just, I mean, I think that category is the designated bench for movies the Academy would rather not invite to the party, but feel that they are now obligated to invite to the party. Yeah. If you get what I mean. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um and it's disappointing. It really is. And as I think you and I both agree, the Academy Awards are supposed to be something that an event. <laughs> right. It's supposed to have some kind of prestige. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> class. Uh, and this is anything but that.
1: It's like and bringing it, Chipotle to like a food competition or Holy I don't know. shit. <laughs> Or Subway or something. I don't know. Holy God. <coughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, it's the truth.
0: But there is another component to this that I told you about. And that is the whole... that all, This idea actually came from ABC, which is owned by Disney. Because from their perspective, the Academy Awards are a different thing to them. To them, it's a telecast and a telecast should get ratings. And the ratings haven't been good lately at all. Um and so this category recommendation was to bring to- in the
1: people. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Because if you nominate movies that people actually have seen, perhaps they might actually tune in to see the telecasts. Really. Instead
1: of like shining a light on the things that people are already watching, why not shed a light on the things that people don't know about yet? Like, I don't know, maybe a better way of promoting them because they're smaller. I mean, they're not small, small, but they're still like lesser known. And I don't know. You know what I mean? Because they're all quality. All of those are like they have such quality. And I think people would actually like them if they were exposed to it, but they don't know how to be exposed to it. And maybe if they made an effort to kind of gear people towards that instead of just the main popular films and, you know. You'll get to that audience that you want. Maybe not right away, but over time, which it it should be that way. I don't know.
0: I agree with you. Um, But a problem with a lot of of that is, and I think um, because for those who are listening, we're, Nettie and I are from the same community. We are lovely Imperial Valley, quote unquote. And what we were, what Peter and I were discussing previously is that our theaters, our market yeah. gets absolutely nothing but action blockbusters, yeah. Marvel, Star Wars, Disney. We don't get independent films. We don't get those movies. Because it's and a very imag-
1: specific market. Yeah. Exactly.
0: But I imagine that there are a lot of places in the country that are like that, that a lot of these movies actually just don't go to the middle of the country, like a Get Out or a Lady Bird or a Call Me By Your Name yeah. or a Darkest Hour or a Post or a Shape of Water even. Like you're talking about movies that are like shown in select theaters because uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the requirement to be eligible for a best picture nomination is your movie has had to have been playing in a movie theater in Los Angeles and in New York for at least a week or something. Do you find it at all disturbing that Disney pushed this on the Academy? And that they were so receptive to do it, um, especially considering when perhaps the inevitable winner of a popular category...
1: Will be them. Will mm-hmm. be Disney.
0: What does uh, that look like to you? Uh, typical Disney.
1: <laughs>
0: and what is typical Disney for those who not know?
1: Uh, money, hungry, grubbin do everything to own everything in the entire world company <laughs> i don't know you, you can say it in a better on. way
0: <laughs> no 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 that's exactly what they are in fact i would love for you to just go on in more descriptive detail if you can um i i think it it goes without say it, it makes you a bit uncomfortable right this whole yeah. situation
1: if you can dream it you can take it <laughs> <laughs> Oh my, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, man. that is,
0: I guess, their slogan, isn't
1: it? It started out with a what is it, an orange orchard or something, and now it's <laughs> just <laughs> taking over the world. <laughs> well, know. you know, that that's
0: a central question I want to hone in on because it's one that we've been discussing for years at this point. I think... As many people on the planet, you and I are big fans of many of the works that come out through Disney. How does it make you feel that this whole prospect of like Disney taking over the world, it's like I know that like does that scare you? Yeah,
1: it honestly does. Like as much as I enjoy going to Disneyland and like buying things and, you know, I guess – Supporting them <laughs> um, I, I feel, I, it makes me feel guilty it makes me like not want to even though it's just kind of like a thing that's there I don't know how to explain that better it I just it does it makes me really uncomfortable because it's something that started off as like a wholesome a wholesome thing you know and it's like our childhood and we grew up with it and it's it's supposed to be this fun loving thing and and it's just turned into this... Monster, I guess.
0: A monster, you say? Yeah.
1: Why would you use that monster? It's pretty scary.
0: (laughs) Why would you use the word monster?
1: Because that's what they are.
0: (laughs) You know, we've been talking a lot on this show. Um, Peter says he jokingly calls um, the Disneyites, the Disney followers, um... I mean, it's no secret. Like um, this channel's own Alexis Moreno and and Kyle, um, to a certain extent, they've been doing fantasy fair. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of fall into that category, if you will. And what he calls it is like the cult of Disney. Do you get that kind of feeling from a lot of people who follow Disney nowadays?
1: Yeah. It's very, very, very much like that. Um, I was talking to two people once, um, and one of them was asking the other person about basically about their, their interest of it, like about uh, their interest of Disney. Like, why do you care so much for it? Why do you love it so much? Like, why, why is it such an obsession for you? And then, the other person said that's just I just I've always liked it it's just been in my family this is I've always liked it and they're like but what about this and they would point out all the negative things about it like what about this what about that and then the other person would be like what are you talking about like no that's not true or they would just they would just completely shut it down and just completely like defend Disney to the core as if it's not this you know what it is I guess like I don't know you know what I mean just no I mean you willingly ignorant about it like or not really ignorant because they know but was it like i don't know you know what i mean
0: they they overlook yeah they overlook a lot of the uh, negative aspects and only choose to focus on the positive aspects of it i mean one example that we're not going to get into right now but at this very moment in time there disney is, is is building a new luxury hotel at disneyland resort on top of where ESPN Zone and Rainforest yeah. Cafe used to be. They've since halted construction of that hotel because they chose to get in some kind of feud with the city of Anaheim. A few days later, they go to the city of Anaheim and they say to them, "You know, let's let bygones be bygones and let's go ahead and rip up our previous like contractual agreements with each other and and be done with it." In November, on the ballot for Orange County, there will be a provision um, whether people that work in that t- in that line of work um, for hotels um, to get a raise to eighteen dollars an hour by the year two thousand twenty-two. And I mentioned this on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and it
0: looks and it looks so much like they stopped construction on a hotel to stage a feud with the city of Anaheim. So that in the long run, they can avoid having to pay their own employees $18 an hour, which – I'm sorry. If you're a company that now has 50 percent of the market share, the domestic box office, and you're able to have done that by putting a $71 billion down payment on 20th Century Fox, it sounds to me you can sure as how afford – to pay your employees eighteen dollars an hour.
1: Use use that churro money. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean, am I right or am I right, Nettie?
1: You're right. They have <laughs> cruises. They have hotels. They've resorts. They've got everything. That's All the just, merch. Yeah, that's They're travel. Everything.
0: The merchandise alone. Jesus, yeah. man. Um. So. Yeah, lately lately, it kind of – and I think people who have been listening on this show for the past few weeks have kind of taken notice. It's kind of sparked this like anti-Disney attitude in me and shit. If you look at my Twitter account, I think that's pretty obvious at this point. Um, but it's – I think we are in a moment in time where the company and the brand Disney have – Either intentionally or inadvertently, have gotten tangled up in many passionate and controversial political matters that exceed beyond their own little world. If you if you know if you know what that means, and another one of the examples. Um, I mean, and by the way. Nettie might not know this, but like we delve into a lot of politics every single week, so this will be one of the examples. As uh, you may have heard, ESPN, another division owned by Disney, has chosen to not air the national anthem uh, for Monday Night Football this season because of what happened last year is that the president essentially – Um, You know, he called NFL players SOBs, um, and he pretty much called them treasonous for um, kneeling on the national anthem. And There's a whole issue in and of itself. I mean, personally speaking for me, it's the First Amendment. They're practicing their First Amendment right, as they should, and that's their freedom to do so. And anybody who is against that clearly does not respect or understand the first amendment. That's my opinion, of course. And that's speaking on behalf of Nettie, although she might have that belief, who knows. But the issue of course, is Disney has opted to not pick a side in that hotly contested debate. And they've like opted out. But again, but in it, by, by not taking a side, that's
1: taking a side, they're taking (laughs) a
0: side. And you know what the most hilarious aspect about all of this is apparently um the person who they're serving, Make America Great Again, Donald Trump, didn't like that actually. Do you know that this week the president actually um began a petition to make Disney air the national anthem? <laughs> um, and you know what's the weirdest thing? Disney is so corrupt now that they've managed to to put me and Donald Trump on the same side of a political aisle. How, how do you respond to that? I mean, seriously. But another issue of that is the um, the merger. And we talked about this off the air. Um, and I told you about the figures that Because of the acquisition, Disney's not going to own essentially half of the market share.
1: Like, again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, how scary, I guess, that is. Because Mm -hmm. the the audience now is basically everyone. They're marketing towards everyone now, I guess, in a a sense.
0: A lot of us have different tastes in films, but I know that your palette isn't necessarily family-friendly and franchise-focused. I know you kind of cut away from that. With the news that uh, that um movies that don't fit into that agenda or that mantra, if you will, are just not going to get made. How does that make you feel?
1: It's Kind of irritating because those are those are things that from way back, like people, you know, like you were saying, those movies um way back, those people people like love those movies, and then they're just going to cut them off because it doesn't fit into their category. It's I don't and know.
0: I, like Alien and yeah. Predator yeah. and um and Planet of the Apes which by the way are franchises now they're not considered original properties but it's like it's one thing to like have no original properties whatsoever but now you're also cutting back on the franchises that don't make as much money and mm-hmm. don't fit into your brand yeah. which is I find personally disgusting, and I think that's an example of why they shouldn't have gotten Fox.
1: Yeah, they shouldn't have. It's, I don't know. It's it's kind of, it's weird. It's just going to change things in a weird way. I don't know. And I, I don't know how long it can go on like that. You know what I mean? I mean, it will go on because it's Disney, but I'm, I'm saying, you know what I mean? There's just, there's that missing piece.
0: But that's the thing, though. Um, will it? Go on. Peter and I had talked about this the previous time, and he posited that perhaps this may blow up on them.
1: The, the fox portion of it? Right. Yeah.
0: because in, At some point, or are they getting to the point where they're just too big to fail?
1: I don't know. I really don't know. It could go either route.
0: Yeah. And I know that you asked me, like, well, then why did they get Fox if they're not going to use what they have and make movies? Well, what I told you is, as we've been saying for weeks now, the is they exactly, they're going to take that treasure trove of stories and put them on Hulu, which they all coincidentally now own.
1: <sighs> yeah. They
0: now, <laughs> and you have some feelings about that, apparently.
1: You're making me more scared. (laughs) Like you had already we had already talked about this, but like it's settling in and it's just it's scary.
0: (laughs) It's scary because it's like and also the strategy though behind it is kind of brilliant because now they have their Disney only streaming service with Marvel, Star Wars and Pixar and what have you, which they'll also be creating original properties there as well. And then they'll take all the Fox properties that doesn't fit into their brand, put it on Hulu, which supercharges Hulu. Yeah. Um, maybe even honestly, like movies like Dark Phoenix or Deadpool 3 might, or Alien 7 might just <laughs> go to Hulu then instead of going to the theater. That's
1: true. Okay. Yeah.
0: And that would probably get more people to go onto Hulu. Hulu is already very popular. Um, they might just, like, let Hulu continue with their original programming, and now they just have much more to work with. And then in addition to that, because they, I mentioned ESPN before, ESPN's also having Lord. a streaming service. And imagine a bundle where you get your Disney, <laughs> you get your drama, you get your sports, and you essentially have a four-quadrant um product that is almost... Too much to refuse.
1: So manipulative! It's such a monster. (laughs) God,
0: are you okay? I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not the one causing this, but I feel like I'm scaring you.
1: (laughs) It's just—it's a lot.
0: All of a sudden, all of this makes sense, right? Because what do they want to compete against Netflix? Netflix, They can't do that with just Disney only stuff. No. But when you add in your Hulu and when you add in your sports, well, that's a hell of a product. I mean, and that in and of itself is gonna change the whole game. Because yeah. now we're gonna bundlers are gonna come back now, not for cable, but for streamers. Is there any good news out of this, Nettie? That you can see a
1: silver lining? At the moment I have a migraine. <laughs> 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 Um, I'm sorry. What about what do you think? What do you think? Tell um, me. This is horrible.
0: (laughs) This is absolutely horrible. I agree with you. It. The more that I say it out loud, the the scarier it becomes because they literally own the world now. They own entertainment. They own film, and again, it's like. Think about right now the ground that we've covered from streaming to film like we're getting to the point where they're going to own like you know our film classes what do they say they now own distribution and exhibition we're getting to the point where i will bet you this will happen in the next few years where these distributors like Disney and Comcast and Sony we're getting to the point where they're going to be allowed to own their own movie theaters now. Yeah. And if if you're um, a student of film history, you know the last time that happened, that didn't end up so well for anybody.
1: Where do you think it'll go once they reach like a point, like a, a high, well not high point, you know what I mean? Like a peak yeah. and then it, it can only go... I guess I guess yeah. I like, what do you think will happen?
0: Answer that question whenever we get the sense that a peak actually happens. Because it just seems like Disney just continues to go up and up and up and there's just no end in sight. And
1: I don't know where it would stop. <laughs> but <laughs> if, but it, if see, it did, then where would it go? Like where how do not well, know how well, far it could go?
0: Well look right now. We, we We just talked about them influencing the academy to create an entire category so that they can win themselves on their network, and at the same time, with this whole James Gunn situation, which I'll now ask you about that's why their decisions matter that's yeah. why their indecision does more harm than good these days because
1: they're an influence, yeah.
0: They're more than an influence. They're yeah. the influence nowadays. And they almost set the precedent for everybody going forward and everybody involved in this business, in this industry. And like the whole James Gunn situation, which I had talked to you off the air, essentially this is less about James Gunn and his personal issues and the Guardians and Marvel than it is more about Disney empowering a hate group propelling it forward in this country weaponizing them and legitimizing online terrorism
1: Yeah,
0: and I know that I I talked to you this before I know it kind of gave you more of a migraine and I don't mean to hurt you and I promise we'll move away from Disney after this but like I just want to get your stance on the James Gunn situation based on what I told you and if you feel if I'm being a bit extreme but
1: I don't think you're being extreme, because because you, you're right. Um, somebody who has that much influence, even just okay, even just regular one person celebrities on their own, they can say one freaking tweet, and it completely sends a wave of people in a completely different direction than they had thought before. Like, it only takes like one person, right? So. I mean, Trump. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just it only takes one freaking person. And so Disney being this cult, like you said, that it is where nobody even no no matter what, people are going to always continue to love it. No matter how many things pop up or whatever, it's right. it's not going to ever end. It's never going to end. It's It's like ingrained in our culture. This is. This is just what it is.
0: How do you feel for James Gunn?
1: I f- I feel like it's such a little petty small thing that it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. Like, I mean not not that it doesn't matter. I mean that the fact that they attacked him for that for such a long time ago, it doesn't affect now.
0: But it's also <sighs> It's also less about him than it is about Disney.
1: No, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. No, yeah. no, 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 no yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's it's something they just picked out, and it shouldn't have, they shouldn't, They sh- there was no reason to really make Fire a him. big deal out of it. Like,
0: Especially since they already knew that these yes. existed.
1: There, and they, they hired already, him anyway. If they had already known, then there was no reason to give him a boot. And the, they gave him a boot just to shut the other people up. But that, that doesn't that gives them more power gives them more ammunition They're like oh look they listened so if we continue to do these things if we continue to bully and continue to push for what we want then we're going to always get what we want if we can push disney who else can we push we can push anybody yeah exactly that's what that's why it's just it's, it's pretty it's pretty terrifying
0: and i'm not sure if you caught this but i even said this um and i mean this um, fullheartedly, heartedly uh, but what I said about um, you know we talked about the cult of Disney as we will and people <laughs> a, a lot of people in the Disney community in the Disney fan community I've noticed were unusually silent on this issue but whenever there's something that affects their theme parks and when they're not happy with something has changed oh, they send a they,
1: wave of things yep. they
0: rage on Twitter Yeah. And I could just tell, based on their silence, they didn't give a fuck about this issue, which is important because Disney kind of sided with Nazis. Yeah. That's not a good look. And I don't know how you can defend that, but this is what I said. To your followers, which, by the way, have been uncharacteristically hush, perhaps as a result of cowardice, I say... Congratulations. You allow your worshipfulness to do whatever they want so long as you're fed Disney into your IV like a morphine drip. (laughs) Your silence is deafening and you share the blame for this outrage. And I'm at the – exactly. I'm at the point where I can't overlook this and I won't. Gladly I won't because I draw the line with Nazis, okay? Okay. And yeah. I feel we all should. And by ignoring this conversation and by just going forward and saying, well, what else are they going to do? You're defending them and you're kind of allowing this to happen as well. And I find that disgusting. I don't know about you.
1: Well, you're right, because take away their electrical parade and holy cow. Like, no, it's Pete the Night now. Oh, Pete the, the Night. night sorry, sorry. Whatever. <laughs> I don't even know take away anything, take away any small thing or give too many people because too many people become annual pass holders and everybody starts, I don't know, rampaging. But then this type of thing where it actually affects things on a bigger level, like that's, I don't know. And they have nothing to say, but if they did say something, then that could create, that could actually create some movement. You know what I mean? Like, right. They from, could from a push back side, if they wanted from a to very positive side. And that wouldn't just affect, like, the situation, it would affect a lot of things. It would show people that, you know, people power does work, like, from both ends. That it needs to be seen, because we only keep seeing the negative people power. We keep seeing it from that one end of the spectrum and not the other. I want to be
0: clear to everybody listening. Nettie and I have been huge, lifelong Disney fans. I mean, seriously. We, we just went to Disneyland together um, a few weeks ago, and we loved it. Well, I'm not sure if you loved it. You, there were some issues there. But all in all, we love Disney. But now, in this moment in time, I think it's important for more and more people to understand what's at stake here. And mm-hmm. I feel that far too many don't realize that at all whatsoever. Yeah, we talk about this every week, Nettie, Um, and it's pretty depressing.
1: No, I know. I've seen them. I've heard them. I've heard bits bits of it.
0: Yeah. Um, One more thing before we transition to your thing, just very quickly. Um, And I wanted to ask your personal stance on this because we didn't cover this before, but there were reports that Warner Brothers was actually looking for um, female directors to helm projects like harley quinn and uh, supergirl and batgirl or batwoman or whatever they're doing and i think we can both say that it's great that we're clinching toward a moment where woman directors are now being sought after and being taken i guess more seriously
1: yeah every more people besides sofia coppola yeah
0: exactly right <laughs> um but I worry, as Peter has said as well, that it's, it's already becoming too much of a gimmick that you're only going to look for a woman director if it's a woman-led project or a woman-led narrative like the ones that I just mentioned. And I had tweeted out that what I would consider to be an amazing bit of news is if one day a woman director could helm – a Batman movie or a Superman movie and like am, am I wrong to think that way I mean no, I wanna, of course yeah.
1: not I think that would be really neat because the thing is that we should be pushing more boundaries we should be pushing towards things that are a little bit more different because I mean everything is more progressive now and it's not just because she's a female it's just to see a different perspective, to see what it would be like, to see the mind of like somebody directing it from that point of view. You know what I mean? Not to say that it would be less masculine or anything. It it could be, it could be less masculine or it could be like just a completely different feel. And I think that would be really cool to experience to see. I don't know. And especially if it did really well, then like it actually came out really, really good. That would be neat. And it would, it would change things. It would completely change things for, for everything for, you know, for the film industry, then we could start making more things. Exactly. And And be taken seriously, because the only movies that we see are just, like you said, like female, female like heroines and stuff like that. And
0: And especially in the superhero genre. I mean, last year, it did kind of blow up with Patty Jenkins directing Wonder Woman. And that movie was a huge financial success. Yeah. And that kind of broke the myth the sexist myth that people had that woman-led projects couldn't make any money. Yeah. Which was stupid to believe that, but it showed that it can make money and make a lot of it. And what I worry in particular is by now reaching out to more female talent, I wonder if by doing so, we're only furthering putting them in a box and saying only only um women led projects can be told by a woman to be authentic or only women can do women led projects and vice versa. I don't know if that makes any sense or if you fear that.
1: Yeah, but I don't yeah, I don't I don't really like that because dudes have been doing women led projects too and those are just I mean, I mean, sometimes they're good, sometimes you know Missing a bit, missing a little piece of woman in there. Right. But, uh, but I, I, just like it, even beyond like superhero stuff, just any anything else. Well, I mean, there's there's plenty, but you know what I mean, like.
0: Right. But right now we're seeing kind of a proliferation in this genre because of what happened with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to ask you though, because I struggle with this. I mean, we all know in in like this business of personalities, this male driven personalities. The majority of directors I can name to you off the top of my head are male.
1: Well, well no, let me, let me tell you two days ago. It's kind of funny because two okay. days ago, I just told Eric this two days ago. I walked into first day class and it was a screen reading class and okay. I sit down and I look around the room and he's, he's asking his questions or whatever. I'm looking around the room and it's me. And two other girls in the entire room, and everybody else in there is a male. And I don't know, it was just weird to me because like that's that's how it is. And then when we we all got to tell each other about like like what we're doing, what our passions are, whatever. And all the females wanted to be directors. And so it's it's kind of good to see that, but it's also like shows you like this is just a small scale of the the bigger problems,
0: Right, right. And, and,
1: and whenever all, we got in a circle and everybody was telling their stories and stuff and when you hear all of the men, sorry, I'm, I'm just going to say, when you hear all of the men and what their passions okay. are or whatever, yeah. they're all the same. All their thoughts and their reasoning for, for all of their movies and, and things, they're all the same. They and what is that? The, majority of them, okay, majority of the people in my class at least, they, they're all talking about like the strong male leads, like the very, you know what I'm talking about? Really? Yes. Like one of them was talking about military movies, one talking about superhero movies. They're saying how most of their favorite, like, movies, the reason for it was because of the, the manliness of the character.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. And then the girls would talk, and one of them, she, what was she saying? I don't know. The way that she was talking about it, it was just from a different, like, I don't know, like, I guess it would be called like, it would be like a more avant garde type of, you know, feel like the way uh-huh. that she wants to create her movies. That's like how she wants to do it, which is, which is neat, because it has more emotion and it has like a different like more meaning to it beyond just like, oh, the character. It's like the story. And mm-hmm. I I really like that. So it's it's interesting to see, see it in a smaller scale. And then, yeah,
0: I'm curious, what answer did you give?
1: I talk well. They asked us our favorite movie and then the reason for it, and obviously mine is Donnie Darko. And Donnie Darko is the one that it gave me the ultimate push to be able to 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 want to pursue filmmaking. And I've talked about this a lot, I think, um, on this show, in fact.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, the last it was actually. Um, by the way, this is episode one eighteen. The show that we had you on, which is called Nettie Sings the Blues... I don't remember. Jesus. ...was 58.
1: <laughs> Jesus.
0: And you had mentioned that you had seen Don Darko every day for two years.
1: Yep, I did. Wow. Got me through some tough times.
0: <laughs> and Because I was actually listening to that ahead of today's show, um, and that kind of just, like, blew my mind, because, you know, recently... One experience I had, and this never happens. Look, I love a lot of movies, but I don't watch the same movie again and again and again because I don't want it to get old and stale and then me not liking it in the end, which can happen with a lot of movies. Yeah. But when I came back from Washington the first time, um, I got uh, reacquainted with an old movie that I had seen previously, fell in love with it for the first time, like really, really and like it's probably in my top five, maybe my best favorite movie ever, and that's Casablanca.
1: I love Casablanca.
0: Cas, <laughs> oh my god, we need to talk about that. Soon. I
1: have a poster. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Where? In my Well, it's not hung up yet because I wanted to frame it, and I don't. I don't have a frame, but yeah, I have one.
0: <laughs> I. I love that film.
1: We have a picture of Humphrey Bogart and we were going to frame it and put it on our wall. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) It it,
0: it was fascinating (laughs) because I not only watched the movie once, I saw it twice. I saw it thrice. And then I saw it a fourth time in the span of a week. And I've never done that before, where I would watch a movie every single day because every time I would finish it, I was like, "I want to see that again, <laughs> and it would just kept pulling me back and I think Casablanca what really like made me fall in love with the movie is um what I didn't realize before was um the subtlety in its social commentary hiding underneath the movie, and how mm-hmm. powerful that is with Rick's um, struggle um, to get involved and how important it is. Um, And also it's just a damn fine movie when it comes to the acting and the sets and the music and Mm -hmm. the lighting, the cinematography. I mean, we could go on for hours and hours talking about that movie, but like the more I, I talk about it, the more it's like, it, it, It's for sure now, like, in my top five favorite movies ever. I love the shit out of that movie. But I bring that up because it's, like, that's, like, the closest thing that I can, like, compete, I guess, with your two years of watching Donnie Darko.
1: It's not funny. Like, a month ago, I think... um I hadn't. I haven't watched. I hadn't watched Donnie Darko in like a while, and I thought, oh man, I watch it so much. If I watch it again, I'm probably not going to have the same feeling. And then right. and Eric saw that it was it was going to be playing at this independent theater, this small independent theater here in um you know in like Hillcrest. Really? And So yeah, so we bought tickets to the midnight showing of it, Donnie Darko, and I thought, oh, it's just going to be a few people, you know. We went in, and the room was filled and oh we sat like in the front because all the seats were taken right. and I watched it and I had the same feeling that I had every single time that I had watched it and I I was just like whoa like it happened again and I didn't think that it would happen again and I, I don't know I love analyzing it over and over and over and I like talking about it and it's it's just one of those things that it's going to be stuck with me forever even when I feel like ah I watch it and it'll be whatever like if I watched again I'm, I'm going to be singing the songs I'm going to be quoting the entire movie like yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I I love that. I love going back, revisiting films, and feeling exactly like you did the first time. That happens so rarely nowadays with a lot of the movies that we see. Um, was that your first time watching that in a theater? Which one? Donnie Darko.
1: Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. So I got to experience what I didn't get to experience in 2001.
0: <laughs> what, what was that like?
1: It was cool, especially because everyone like some people around me were uh, were people that had never seen it. And then there were a lot of people that were with them that had seen it. So I could hear other people like slightly quoting it when I was quoting it. And that was really cool. And then other people that were thrown off and would react. And I love hearing reactions, especially in a field theater. Like it's really neat. I don't know. It's it's really neat.
0: That's one of the the greatest joys of um, theater going
1: Yeah, Um, that's why I hope it never ends. It's probably gonna end, but I hope it never ends because the the reaction, the feeling of a of a filled theater with you know everybody experiencing something together, that's just it
0: enhances the experience. I know that I love Star Wars: The Last Jedi and Avengers: Infinity War, but what makes those movies so much fun? it's going on opening a an night and sharing that experience with a with a whole full crowded theater mm-hmm. and i can tell you it really does enhance the experience every single time mm-hmm. i've saw both movies in theaters four times each for each film and people's reactions i can tell you when i the last i saw avengers 3 um, i actually saw it in 4D which was an experience all in itself but I took someone with me from work. Her name is E. She's a good friend of mine. Never seen a Marvel movie. Ever? Ever. So, like, she didn't know anybody or anything. And you're going into Infinity War, mind you. Like, this is like kind of like the series finale yeah. <laughs> of, like, all these movies. Like, 20 movies. And this is why I say to people like well a negative for the movie is you kind of have to know all these things and here I say bullshit why she had the absolute time of her life she was reacting and emotive and like on cloud nine and she just was so invested in all of these characters and the drama and the music and and like the spectacle Peter and I call this movie an epic because of just how grand it is and the special effects and, and everything. She hadn't seen a Marvel movie in her life. This is her first one. And she loved it. She loved it. And she wasn't the first person I've met that said that, like there was some, I just finished a project with my journalism program with my partner. And she said that infinity war was her first Marvel movie. And she's gone back to go see all of them. (laughs) And I'm telling you, it's – that's the power of cinema and I know we kind of went on a tangent but I just wanted to say that, that. That's why we love like what we love, you know? That's what makes these things special and see like the power and the impact that these um art pieces really can have. I love it. <laughs> um what were we talking about? I kind of lost my train of thought at that point. No
1: idea. Um, um, yeah,
0: women. Women in the film what? industry. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that – but, you know, that's that's good that you had that story to share because I think that's kind of a microcosm for what's going on. Yeah. Um, Does that make you more hopeful or less hopeful toward the future for women in, in – you know, in directing and the future of the oh, business. i more hopeful.
1: I think, okay. I think at some point, like we have to, I don't know. We're already, already kind of seeping in. I think, I think at one point, at some point, like it's going to be good for the women. <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure. I don't know.
0: Uh, I hope.
1: I think just because of the different views, the different um, feelings, I guess. I just, I think that people eventually will just get bored of the same. Not bored because we, we've been using the same thing forever, but, you know, variety. I think I think women can provide that.
0: <laughs> we're at know. that point where we're so inundated with entertainment and content that we're always like, what's the next big thing? Yeah, What's exactly. what's, what's new? What, what's mm-hmm. out there that we haven't already seen before? Yeah. And it sounds like you're telling me that based on your interactions with many aspiring women in the film industry they have some unique stories to tell that we haven't seen before
1: yeah because the 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 dudes in my class the the future men of the film industry they just want to keep pushing out the same thing and the girls are like nah we have better ideas so (laughs) i don't know (laughs) Uh,
0: and i'm all for that that's great (laughs) that means we can get better films yeah hopefully (coughs) Okay, Now, before we close, the last thing we're going to talk about here is you. (laughs) Which is, um, for those listening, Nettie does not like talking about herself. She downright hates it. Um, So she's making an effort for all of you, just so you know. So, again, just to mention, so Nettie is starting a brand new youtube channel called make the love last as she says it um and her introductory video is on there make the love last it's
1: not great i'll work on it
0: (laughs) in fact from what she told me she got some brand new equipment today so she is working on it so Nettie, i'm just gonna go ahead and ask you how long have you been thinking about <laughs> this particular idea in your head? I feel like it's been uh, years at this uh, point.
1: yeah, I've I thought about this idea since mm, junior year of high school. Yeah, okay, junior year. That's longer
0: than what yeah. I thought.
1: No, yeah, it's been it's been, that's how long I've been wanting to do this, since junior year. Um somebody actually told me it was Risa. She 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 told me in uh, I remember it. We were in class and her and another girl told me hey, why don't you make a YouTube channel, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know, I can't do that. I don't I don't have the personality for it. I hate my voice. I just kept making all these excuses, but I really liked the idea because I, I don't know, I always wanted to do something that would, I guess, kind of make a difference in a way. Um, and then it didn't really hit me till, like I said, Donnie Darko. That was like the push-push where um, it kind of made me... It, it gave me the inspiration to be able to, to do what I want to show that I could make an influence even on right. a smaller on a smaller level. Like that's why I wanted to do filmmaking, because on a bigger level, I can make I can make movies and I can influence people. But on the smaller level, I can I could do YouTube and I could help people right. I, essentially. I mean, in, in some way or another. And it's funny because this next video that I'm going to be putting out, it kind of kind of goes into it, but not really. But it's about fear. Uh and overcoming fear because I've been wanting to do this. I've had this whole brand idea since, since then. And I've been over time just making excuses of why I could and couldn't. And I wanted to incorporate this when we first started BNC. Remember that? I wanted to incorporate (laughs) this and, and then I didn't. And then there were always some issues like my computer completely crashed on me or Premiere completely deleted itself. And then... I don't know how many times Premiere has deleted itself on my computer. I, I feel bad for Julio and everybody else who has helped me. Shout out to you guys for uh, getting me Premiere mm-hmm. on the cheap. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm just I'm done with making excuses, and I'm I'm terrible at self promotion because I'm I have anxiety about absolutely everything, and. I think that I just need to put the fear aside and just do it. And I don't. I I shouldn't care what anybody thinks. I shouldn't care if it embarrasses me or what people think of me or my squeaky voice. And I wanted. If I want to accomplish what I want to accomplish, I need to start somewhere. And this is where I've decided to start because I want to help people. So.
0: And, you know, for those listening, it, Nettie has really through such adversity in all these years has tried her best to do this at one point, as she had mentioned, but things just got in the way, as I think all of us can understand, that life gets in the way sometimes. And especially anxiety, yeah. um, which is an issue that I don't think most people recognize, much less talk about. Um, I know several of us on on this network experience and have issues with regular anxiety and you know up until very recently I've never actually dealt with anything remotely to what um, to what Nettie I think experienced throughout those years and you know we've been friends for I think five or six years now I think you actually had a birthday recently if I'm not mistaken
1: Yeah.
0: Um, welcome to the 23 club (laughs) um which is how old we are and you know if i can say so myself um i think your friendship has been one of the most rewarding i've had in my entire life i (laughs) i appreciate every single time that we get to talk and we get to do projects like this together and especially when we get to eat together because we love to
1: eat
0: (laughs) ramen And I know recently I went through an episode of sorts in my life, one that I wasn't expecting and one that, you know, she really helped me get through among other people, of course. And I I couldn't be more supportive and I couldn't be more proud of Mm. this actually happening. And to hear you say that I'm not making excuses anymore, I'm doing this makes me so happy because you always had the ability to do this but now that you are, you're older, you're more experienced, you're smarter as we all are with age, you have every capacity to do this. I know I'm getting on a soapbox here but, (laughs) but it's like I just want everyone to know how close we are and how much I support her and how happy I am for her for doing this. Um, To that, I I noticed, because I also went back and listened to the old show and what you mentioned there. You mentioned that it's important for you. One of the reasons why you wanted to be a filmmaker is you like to make people feel things. And then right now you just said that you want to help people. So I think to kind of hone in for people listening, what really is at the core that kind of drives you behind all of this? Cause it sounds to me that do you really want to make people feel better about themselves?
1: Uh, that's, that's kind of what the name, um, comes from make the love last. So right throughout our lives, we're all, we're all living our own story. We're all going through something. Even if we can't see it, we bump into each other and we assume things about other people. we, this, we put these invisible barriers between us, between nationalities, between Race,
0: counties, religion. schools,
1: even. There's just all these rivalries between people. And the thing is, on a, like, individually, we're all going through something and we forget that we're all human. We forget that mm-hmm. we're all people, that we're real life breathing people with emotions and, and that we all, we all feel things. So, the way that you feel pain, I feel pain, even if it's in a different way. Even somebody ac- across the world, they feel pain. They feel the same sadness that we feel from way over here. We've never met them, but they're feeling something that we've felt. Um, and I think that, that we forget that, that we're all human and we need yeah. to be able to learn how to work together and live together and love together. And I, I think it starts with just at first, it just starts with you. And so the beginning of my channel, I want to focus on the, in- on the self. So I want to focus on how, how you are. So how people are, how, how we want to improve on ourselves. Because if each person individually improves on their self, then naturally everybody will be able to work together. Even if it's not, it's not going to be this perfect, you know, society or anything, but it'll make things a little bit better. Because if you're feeling good and the person next to you is feeling good, then together you'll be feeling good and you won't have to lash out at the other person. And I think that I think this comes from me dealing with so much throughout the years that I kind of just needed somebody. But I forgot that, like, everything is is within my control. So it's all in my head and I have the control at first and then everything else, the way that I react to people, because I do react to people. I am not saying I'm perfect or anything. I definitely react. I'm, I could be very negative. I'm sure everybody knows that I lash out and everybody has, we may
0: have heard of it,
1: (laughs) but everybody, everybody has their thing. So everyone has this way that they react, whether or not it's like me, it's, it's their own thing. And it's just a way of learning how to deal with it on your own and then and just acknowledging that there's there's something that you can improve on and wanting to improve. Because if we all just want to be angry, crabby people walking around the earth, then nothing's gonna ever improve. You can't complain about something you want to change if you're not willing to make that change yourself. And so that's that's kind of where it you know. So yeah, that's why in all that you do, remember to make the love last. That's why I say that, because it's it's making the love last not only for yourself but for the person next to you that you you have you don't know anything about. I and guess.
0: for those who will replace us inevitably.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know that may be the best uh, way you've ever described the channel. Um, and I guess it, it is at at the same time a very basic idea but also kind of complex and to kind of like put it into words and like uh, people make understand what it is you're trying to do can be challenging um and i'm just really excited can you tell us about how often we can get new content or if you're still like planning that out or so any I, other details. I,
1: I was originally going to do it. I was going to try to do it at least once a week because I had I, I've had like a bunch of things I wanted to do written out. <laughs> and um, I was going to film it last week. And then the week before that, like I said, the microphone issue. So this was just all technical, little technical issues, like technical difficulties. So I'm hoping to at least get once every week. And if not, I'm going to try at least biweekly and then work my way up. I'm, I'm working on learning how to do automation because I'm still very, very, very new to everything. Cause automation? I like automating my uh, videos and stuff. So it does oh. it scheduled, like without me having to actually go in and do it. I do it all one day and, you know, send it out. <sighs> Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm I'm never on social media. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out you
0: <laughs> Oh my god. So
1: <laughs> awful. But um I'm working on it. <laughs> um yeah, but it I mean it's it's a learning process. <laughs> yeah.
0: It definitely is. I'm just so happy that you're finally doing this. And it sounds exciting. You said your next episode was about fear.
1: Yeah, that's probably the next – well, that's what I, I had planned out. I might change it up. The thing is that every topic that I have, I usually – the way that I come up with it, I I'm, I feel like there's usually themes going on throughout the month. Right. Like, like that one month of the anxiety, how you had anxiety and I was mm-hmm. having anxiety. And somebody else, like that my friend that lives in L.A., she was telling me about her anxiety. And I feel like that all stems from obviously like fear and what yeah. your fears are. And so – that's where I came up with that idea where I wanted to hone in on one specific thing and then branch out on another thing. So, so I'm starting off with fear and then I'm going to work towards self sabotage. Cause that's something that I often do. <laughs> like, self
0: sabotage.
1: Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. So I'm scared of something. So then I managed to work my way out of doing the thing and I'm like, well, I failed. So that's that, even though I'm the reason that I failed. <laughs> so i don't know like i'm just doing different things that i think that that people experience even if it's not everybody that experiences it i'm just working my way through, through those things to get to the bigger things so i'm just starting off small at the moment but i'm i'm excited
0: we all start somewhere can i ask the format then so the format is a sit down style um, will there be any more editing no. or oh, oh no f- no the,
1: oh, the first sorry. one is sorry uh, the first one is um that is just not the way that wouldn't it's kind of like a that was really bad the, the first video does not <laughs> does not show what my channel's going to be so i kind of wanted to just throw it in the way it's going to be later i guess okay I, it's it's going to be different I wanted to make it fun because I didn't want it just to be like oh I'm sitting in front of a camera talking about serious topics and people and expecting people to listen for like seven minutes or whatever right. I, I just I'm going I want to make it fun but also like hey you should help yourself <laughs> I don't know I don't know how to explain that better you'll see you'll see I will be working on a better channel on a channel trailer, like an actual one eventually, but at the moment I'm just doing it with what I got. So
0: yeah. We'll hold you to that. <laughs> Waiting for that channel trailer.
1: Oof, oh, that'll that'll be like way way later. <laughs> That's awful.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Um Well, um I think that about will do it. Um, Sorry.
1: Did I, put, did, I say, did I say too much?
0: No, I think we've reached the end of our conversation, unless there's anything else you want to add.
1: I'm
0: good. I know you're tired and it's late, so I want to go ahead and wrap us up as soon as we can. Um, before we go, I want to announce, because Nidia and I had discussed this beforehand, To the Table will be coming back, folks. We're, we, we've been working on getting that back for a while. We've been kind of bad about not doing that. I know that Peter and I will be having it to the table soon. Unbreakable and Phantom Thread are the films that we exchanged. And right now, what?
1: <laughs> Phantom Thread.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, for- I forgot that I told you about that movie.
1: <laughs> you and you and Eric went to see it, didn't you?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He f- he had to walk out because of things, but I nearly fell asleep. Um And I gave that movie to Peter because I know he's been wanting to see that movie because he's a big fan of Paul Thomas Anderson. So that's going to be very interesting discussing that movie. Um, But right now, I am going to announce that the film, Nettie and I are actually going to be doing one. The film that she gave me is Signs by M. Night Shyamalan. And I'm going to. A classic. (laughs) How about that? What isn't a classic? I mean, seriously. Um if you've hear Kyle use the word classic, it's like every movie is a classic. Oh. If you ever hear that? <laughs> I mean, seriously. That's
1: true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the movie I'm going to give her because we've only been talking about it every episode oh, is Black Panther. Okay. It's okay. Black Panther cuz I know that. Um you and Eric had been wanting to see that film for a while and it's no secret listeners on this podcast that virtually everybody on staff while enjoys the film and would consider it a good film is vastly and highly overrated compared to a lot of what is cherished and championed in this film and I'm curious to see how you fall into that Because if you don't agree with me, we're going to have some fighting words. I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. I'm obviously kidding about that. All right. So this has been Red Spotlight number 118. I want to remind everybody you can catch our podcasts every single week at podcast.com, iTunes, Mixler, Google Play, and other avenues. You can also catch us on YouTube. We have previews of our shows on Instagram and. We're on Twitter and Facebook. You can actually follow me on Twitter at GreatTheAlexis. I tweet every single day. I will self-promote that I think I have the best tweets of anybody on this network. This so is true. it's true. You see, you should, it's just, to say. you should
1: just be my social media mander because I can't do anything. <laughs> I am the worst. <laughs> oh man! Yeah.
0: So um, yeah, um, I'm just. Essentially, doing what I do here and rip Disney a new one. You can follow Nettie on Insta on Twitter, I think. Baby Ghoul? Is that what oh, it is?
1: Make the Love Last.
0: Make the Love Last. Oops. So at, at Make the Love Last. Yeah. And you can also look up her material, youtube.com slash Make the Love Last.
1: I, I, no, I have no idea. Or
0: just search Make the Love Last as like no space in between on YouTube and it should take you to there and there's also i want to say right now before we leave i absolutely adore the video you made for our disney trip
1: oh thank you i think i worked hard on it (laughs) oh my god
0: it was beautiful netty i'm telling you it it almost brought me to tears like it was it was a perfect day i feel for me i love that day and I love the fact that you were there to capture, you know, all these individual moments that now will forever exist no. on this video. I mean, the way you shot it looks beautiful. Awesome. The choice in the music was excellent. Excellent. <laughs> it, I think it really just kind of brought it to life. Um, and I noticed that at the, at the end, there was like, good luck in DC, Alexis. Yeah. And I, I think I got a little choked up looking at that. I wasn't expecting it. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I would encourage everybody here to go and look at that video because, um, I thought it was
1: great. Yeah. I hope to put more experiences on there. That's another thing I wanted to like highlight on my channel. Just, you know, loving with friends.
0: (laughs) And it looks like we're going to be able to look at that, um, coming up fairly shortly. So until next time, thank you, Nettie, for joining me. Uh, thank you to myself for being a great host. Thank you to everybody for listening. Um, and until next time, I encourage all of you to stay positive, and we will see you back next time.
1: Bye-bye, everyone.